Podcast. James Hollis, my co-host. My name, Phil Buolo. We're getting it in basketball styles, NBA styles. James, how you doing this fine evening? So, the, the double dribble, the, the chest pass, uh, into the stands. Oh, we know where he's going with this one. You know what those are? Life on repeat. Are these better names in the away team podcast, are James? Are these better names in the, the away team, team podcast? podcast. <laughs> oh, you know what else is a better name? Anything else, but we're going to talk about Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been one of the best point guards in the league for the last quite a while. But there's been an interesting art, a few articles coming out saying why it may be fool's gold. Uh, being the uh, the writer and blogger that you are, Mr. James, I'm going to let you so, head this one. Yeah, I, I, I just uh, I saw this article float down my timeline on Twitter, and I, I sent it over to Phil DePill because I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about because I kind of feel the same way about Chris Paul. Um, and basically, our, our guy Jonathan uh, Jarks, over now he's at The Ringer. He had his own site called The Pattern of Basketball before. He's been on this for a while. And um, you should check him out. Pattern of Basketball, just Google his name, Jonathan T-J-A-R-K-S, and then uh, you know Chris Paul, and you'll see the article pop up. And basically, he gives them all the props in the world. He just, he says how talented and, and awesome Chris Paul is. He's a pit bull. He's a bulldog. He's awesome. And he is. He's a, he's a great player. Um, but when it comes down to it, basically what the premise of the article is size matters. Um, you know, at six foot 175, he's, he's an outlier among outliers um, as far as elite players. Um, it just it, it matters. Length, width, wingspan, all that matters when, when you're dealing with elite players. And it seems like in the playoffs, Chris Paul comes up against, you know, these other elite players and the margins are so thin, they have that kind of athleticism or length or or they have uh, or like with Steph Curry in the shooting, they have something that just makes them almost in the in the realm of NBA talk, they make him superhuman. And Chris Paul just doesn't have that. He he's he's wrung every ounce of talent he can out of his out of his six foot frame, but when when the push comes to shove, these other guys have just a little bit more. Uh, and just like uh, same guy, Jonathan uh, Jarks over at the Ringer wrote an article about how the, the Clippers are great. They you know they have like a metronome like offense, but there's no suspense to them. And when it comes down to it, their best player is a six foot tall point guard, and it, it's going to come back to bite them. So uh, I, I think I think Phil, you disagree with this this concept a little bit. Well, I mean, look, I've never been a fan of small players at their position at all. Um, but the one place that uh, that I thought it was kind of interesting, and we'll, and we'll come back to Chris Paul, is we were talking about this a bit off air, and I was getting I was getting flack, and I get flack for this comment every time. And yeah, we'll stay on it too because long. It's, it's ridiculous. That's why. So go ahead, say, make your comment. Just let me set it up. Just right. let me set it up. It's ridiculous. So what I'm saying. It's ridiculous, but I'm going to say it anyway. So if I was to start a team and I knew what I was getting, I would pick John Stockton over Magic Johnson. And why am I saying this? Because I, I get better shooting. I get steals. I get longevity, which matters. I get a, They're both team players, but I just think overall, if I'm going to kind of run a super team, I think John Starks is the overall look he's a career leader that's in, wild that you want like 20 years of no rings and instead of 13 years with like four or five rings that's just but that's why i wanted to bring him up right but that's okay, okay he played a kareem abdul jabbar let's not even pretend that I it's mean, the same thing hey don't forget he played center during the first championship because kareem was out and they won because he was a six nine six ten player that's what that's mm -hmm. like that's the versatility that you need to win championships and that's why I bring this up, right? Because obviously a guy like John Stockton, while he has all these numbers and, and he's going to go in the record books, one of the best point guards ever, because he didn't have that size and, and that defined advantage where, you know, uh, Magic Johnson had it in the post. Now, I, I'm not really here to like, like to, to debate those two together. What, what I'm saying is more like you can make an argument looking at numbers, looking at stats and all no, time. Can't. And that's where the why... problem lies. That's where the problem lies. You want to look at numbers and stats and say, oh, this guy's better. Because my spreadsheet falls out, and I can I can say, and I'm not an anti-stat person at all. 
that but you just you just got you just woke the bear up because this is the thing but that I, I, no, 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 I was no, saying no, that no, in this, your no, way no, I was no, saying that in your I was saying you look me, at all the stats this is what but, rankles me more than anything else the fact that you would literally say well you can make an argument from looking at the stats that's not what it's about though it's not about looking at stats all the time you know what I'm saying if you if you base your argument purely from looking at stats then I mean unless we're talking who who scored more points per game then it's a silly argument to say if you look at the stats, it goes like this. That's not. It's just. It's just. It's. It's terrible argument. That's terrible. Well, the thing is, it's not an argument because we're actually saying the same thing. But you wouldn't listen to say it because I'm actually saying the the skill, uh, the skills that you pointed out that Magic Johnson had off air in in the ability to post up guards and the ability to look over point guards to pass over them and create and play multiple positions. Those are the skills that differentiated and ultimately created him championships. So it's kind of a funny uh, parallel when you're looking to today's NBA because you get a lot of guys who do put up massive stats, a la Stockton. But then you get other guys who just are more... So would you say... Because it can't just be height at the position, right? Because then guys like Michael Carter-Williams would just because, be... No, and this mod. is why I hate when people use the arguments because you're going to start setting up a straw man. And, no, you're asking. You're not setting up... I hate this because... Of course, it's not just height, right? You can't be tall and be, and be sorry because then you're going to be just tall and sorry on the bench. It's not just height. It's the fact that if you have two players who are uh, – one guy could be even slightly maybe more skilled than the other one. But you got these two players and one of them is very skilled and has size or is an incredible athlete or can shoot from 40 feet versus the one who can't. I mean, that's just a, it's a, it's an innate advantage. It's almost like, like Jesse uh, – Jesse Blanchard, who writes with me at bballbreakdown.com, he actually he he made wrote an article and and uh, it I think Malcolm Gladwell had an article uh, or part of his book where he was talking about David Goliath and he goes, well, we make it sound like you know David was the the underdog, but back then people with the, those guys with slings were like they they were protecting their herds uh, their sheep flocks from wolves and they can like knock a wolf down from two hundred yards and it was like artillery. It was like mm-hmm. artillery versus freaking foot soldiers, and like it, it actually, we think that the you know the shooter, as far as David was the was the underdog, but that's a tremendous advantage. So in this case, what I'm saying is having you got having that that kind of deuce ex machina, deuce ex machina skill or physical talent, it, it matters. And when it comes down to the playoffs, where every possession counts and it's just seven games, having that kind of advantage matters. And and Steph. As good as Chris Paul is, he doesn't have that single advantage. He's a great mm-hmm. mid-range shooter, and he leverages it as much as he can. But, I mean, you know, when other guys come down and pull him from 40 feet, or the other guys getting everybody in foul trouble and, and bowling you over and jumping over you, it, it matters. So that that's my thing. Um, there's been a lot of talk about as good as Chris Paul is, he's underrated. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's properly rated, but I don't think you can win with him as your best player. No, and then there's and then there's you know two drastic styles of point guard who who are leading the NBA. One is what's now, and it's kind of your six two to six four point guard, right? Uh, you got your guys f- from the old guard of Tony Parker till your new guys, you know Dame Lillard, Irving, Curry, John Wall, all those guys who are elite athletes. You know, a handful of those guys are elite shooters. Other guys who aren't elite shooters can get to the basket as ease at ease. And then you have your new guard who's coming in the NBA. You have your giant point guards. You have your Ben Simmons. You have now you don't have to call them point guards, but what I'm saying massive ball handlers. Uh, ben Simmons, Giannis Antetokounmpo's guys like this. Obviously, having um, like like some other weaknesses and some like Ben Simmons unproven in the league. But what I want to ask you was this: when you're looking at where the tr- where the transitional point of the NBA is going in terms of point guard. Now we've got guys on the smaller end, uh, like your beloved Celtics with Isaiah Thomas blowing up stats wise. I, th- I saw there was a comparison today. He has equal stats to was it Kyrie Irving? Whatever. In terms a, of, yeah, uh, that, that old meme. It's a terrible meme. I hate that meme. But okay, um, whatever. Uh, but I'm just saying he's putting he's putting up numbers, right? And Boston's doing pretty well, and and are happy to have him. And then you have um, other guys uh, like Giannis in, in Milwaukee, you, you just have guys all over the place. Like, where do you think, if you have to correlate it, like not to regular season, because obviously if we're just talking regular season, then the, the Chris Pauls of the world w- would be dominating. You're talking playoff basketball. Where do you see the future of the NBA, like the, like the most talented point guards going that way? Well, it's not even about, like, you're, we're, we're, it's not even a point guard thing, it's a versatility thing. Like, Giannis... 
I, whatever you want to call him. You know, he's playing point guard. He's a wing. He's a small forward. He's a point forward. Um, Kyrie, look, Kyrie's. I hate to do this to him. He's a point guard, sure. He plays the point guard position, but LeBron is that nominal team's point guard. He's in the, LeBron's a point guard. That he's averaging right now. He's averaging like twenty one, ten, and ten, right? Mm-hmm. Leading the team in assists. So Kyrie is a is a, a I guess a combo guard. You call him a scoring point guard. What you call yeah, him? Yeah, sure. I'm not gonna call him a shooting guard. I hate people say, oh, he's really a shooting guard. No, he's a point guard. That's fine. But his job, he's a he's the secondary option there. LeBron is the guy. Um, so like to me, Dame is a perfect example. Dame is like Steph Light, but Dame provides enough offense and floor spacing and leadership that he's turned a team of also rans that we everyone predicted last year. All right, they're not going to go anywhere and took them to the playoffs. And that matters because it's his shooting. And his, and the thing is, your point guard has to be able to score nowadays. That's why guys like Rondo are a little passe. Um, people, they can cheer right now how Rondo's doing. And guess what? On the year, he's a he's like a negative. He's been a negative uh, 5.4 uh, overall net, the, his plus minus. Right? And that team's definitely not going to keep hitting those threes the way they're yeah, going. Yeah, that's why. Jimmy Butler and, and Dwayne Wade aren't going to keep shooting 50% from three. So, I mean. Regression to the mean. Yeah. So, I mean, like the game we saw against the Bulls is what I expect. Uh, against the uh, the Celtics is what I expect from the Bulls more more likely. You know, they, they look very disjointed. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, knock on wood, I guess, Bulls fans. I'm not trying to wish ill for you. I just, I don't think your team is very well composed because your point guard is very one-dimensional. Rondo wants to just pass, pass, pass. Sure, he's a great rebounder. He's not a good defender anymore. He doesn't look to score. He just wants to pass, pass, pass. I think, yeah, he's a, he's a net negative uh, 5.4, and I think on the season he's shooting like, I don't know, like 30%, some ridiculous. So it's your point guard has to be able to score, and that's why I think Steph Curry is so dangerous um, because even though he's a point guard, he, he was facilitating until they passed the duties over to to Draymond Green, which is another thing we're saying. We're calling him point guards, but, I mean, Draymond leads the team in assists. You know These are I mean? just versatile players, and, and the league's going to more and more versatility. I mean, uh, you can say this is kind of the LeBron era of sorts, right? Like, ever since he came in playing point guard, you know, him coming in, he's kind of... He he, he was the guy who started, you know, I uh, could give it to KG, I guess, but it depends how, how, how I mean, far back you want to go. If you want to go back, it's got to go back to Scottie Pippen, you know, and Larry Bird. Those guys were do-it-all small forwards. You could slide up the power forward. They basically Grant Hill, forwards. yeah. So that's it. Starts with let's go back to the Godfathers of it, right? That's the two right there: uh, Larry Bird, of course, and then Scottie Pippen. Uh, in fact, we can give it to Magic because you know Magic won his first championship. And Oscar Robertson. Uh, Oscar Robertson was a do-it-all guy, but he was more with his athleticism. Uh, he was a point guard, yeah. so yeah, he was the first kind of combo guard. But, it's also six five. So. Yeah, that's that's fine. It's, that's not six eight or six nine like Pippen and 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 Larry Bird. Because my I keep saying this that and just. The, the recent history kind of bears it out. If you want to win a championship, you got to have a high-level wing player. You got to have a guy like, I mean, of course, LeBron. Kawhi won MVP for his defense, mm-hmm. his uh, Finals MVP for his defensive work, and he scored a little bit. Andre yeah. Iguodala, you had a wing to throw at LeBron. I mean, that's so important that he won Finals MVP. You know what I mean? That's that's nuts. You you well, can tell Clay Thompson too, right? That whole team's full of uh, long, wing guys, springy guys. Exactly. Yep, and so and that's why I'm so excited about teams like. Uh, Minnesota coming forward, looking at uh, Utah coming forward, L- like teams that just build around that premise of uh, of just having a lot of length. And 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 you're talking about Portland before, you know, they do like uh, we're both not huge fans of that Evan Turner signing, but guys like Mo Harkless and Crab, you know, adding that wing power that uh, that seems to be uh, the recipe now. Um, just coming back to point guards, I just want to bring it up once because one guy, he was he was on that list that I named, but he didn't seem to make the cut. What do you think of a guy who has the size and athleticism but doesn't have the shot, a guy like John Wall? Because people are looking at him and he's saying, you know, I'm making these teams, why am I not getting the love? Um, and again, I feel like he's just on the cusp of, it's almost like the evolution of the point guard happened. And he was He's one of those transitional players because... He's not quite just a pass-first guy. He'll give you 20 a game. But he's not um, – I, I, I wrote an article about him like this summer, and it's weird. He he does score a lot of points off drives, and he takes a lot of pull-ups for a guy who can't really shoot that well. So uh, it's it's partly coaching. It's just who he is. He is as efficient as he might look because his field goal percentage is always pretty good. He takes a lot of bad shots as far as, uh, you know, pull-up jumpers, and he's not a good shooter, and he doesn't get the rim that much, and – it's just weird, man. He's a, he's a great passer, but 
again, if you're going to build your team around John Wall, you you got you probably got to have a player that's better than him as far as a scorer who's a, a, almost like a dominant scorer. Like I think Klay Thompson would be great with John Wall. He would be great with John Wall. And is it weird that Bradley Beal is not? Because I, I think it's two things, maybe personality a little bit, but that's, you know, people say that's speculation, so I don't know. I think also Bradley Beal uh, also likes to create off the bounce for himself. Oh, um, so you want and that's one thing that I always liked about Clay. So I'm going to give you props that way. He doesn't need to be the ball handler. And I think that's an underrated part of why it works there in OKC. Um, and I, like, sorry. No, I was also going to say, and it's weird that people, it's a good, it's a good talent to have. You know, he doesn't need to be a ball handler. But like when people tell me, oh, he's the best point, best two guard in the league. You know, and I look at everything James Harden had to do for his team. I'm like, how? how oh yeah, because he. He's well, James Harden has cl- has clearly taken over that spot this year. He had it last I mean, year. I mean, look at his numbers from last year. That's what I don't understand. It. It. Sure, the team was kind of weird last year, and had been, but I mean, James Harden averaged what I don't know, twenty five, seven to seven, some nonsense mm-hmm. last year. He was, he was ridiculous, and he was he is an offense unto himself. This year, he's averaging like 31, 12, and seven. Seven rebounds and 12 assists. That's ridiculous. And it, all they had to do was get him shooters. They got him no, shooters, I, and, and they let him run the point, like, you know, officially run the point, which he always – And Eric Gordon is back. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, Eric it's, Gordon is back and healthy. Uh, Ryan Anderson's looking like uh, Kevin Love light, and uh, Clint Capella's the – uh, seems like the center they always wanted. So that's why, I mean, honestly, and I'm going to get killed for this, if – as point guards go, Chris Paul's a Hall of Famer. Some say he's, uh, you know, the second or third best all time, and he really has no holes in his game. If you tell me right now I could build my game around Chris Paul or um, or Dame, Dame, I'm, I'm taking Dame. Because, sure, it's it sounds ridiculous because Chris Paul's a much better defender, much better passer, but Dame can give you 30 to 40 any night. He's a, he's a strong playmaker. He's a strong rebounder. For his, United for his size, he's like six four, six five, so he has good size. So it's it's really hard for me to say, I can get defenders, I can get shot blockers, I can get long rangy wings to uh, to take over and defend the point. I can get those things a lot easier than I can get a guy who can not only give me forty points, but can give me six or seven rebounds any given night, can give me seven or eight assists, and he just knows how to lead a team. So I get it. People are going to call me crazy because Chris Ball, like you know, he's the better quote-unquote, better player. As far as today's NBA, I want a guy who can hit from 35 feet and get to the rim, which Dame does. Dame is one of the best finishers or as far as getting to the rim. He's one of the best in the league. He'll get to the rim. and that's That kind of shocked me because we all know him as a shooter. Dame is great. Yeah, but I rim. mean, oh, he's got so many. And, and ironically, I, I think uh, if Dame had Blake Griffin as his running partner with Blake's passing ability. Oh, my God. I, well, imagine that, right? The pick and roll right there and pick and pops. And another thing I, I want to say before we just jump off the wall train is, is how much would you secretly love him to just go to the Pelicans and save Anthony Davis from obscurity and save both their careers? Just go back to that Kentucky connection. Just like the Pelicans, just just throw the kitchen sink. You can have healed Holiday, our next two firsts, and I'm just running with John Wall and Anthony Davis. That'd probably be pretty good, um, but it's like because Drew Holiday is great. Drew I like Holiday him is, a lot. I'm a big, big Drew Holiday fan. I think there's there's the gap between Drew Holiday when healthy and John Wall isn't that huge. It's big. I mean, John Wall's clearly in that second tier, and maybe Drew's at the lower second tier or top of third tier. But um, it's just yeah, it's just really hard, man. I think. They, but you're right. That's a good call. John Wall would be great with uh, Clay. He'd be great with with Brow. It's just really hard. I'm. I'm it's like Alfred Payton. People love Alfred Payton. Um, he plays hard. He's he's a scrapper. He's a tool to be a great defender. Well, they've surrounded him with shooters, though. I, I, like I think they're buying into Alfred Payton. I think he like I don't think they're looking to get rid of him. Like when you surround him with, with Fournier, Arizona, and all these guys who can shoot. I mean, I think their front court's a bit of a mess. Uh, but I think guys like. I don't think guys are giving like giving up on point guards who don't shoot, but I think just, you have a point you, that it's not the winning way if you don't do it. You put a cap because you you end up playing like four on five on offense, even though he's out there running the offense. But you you got to be able to score from that position, man. It just kind of puts a cap on how good your team could be. And Chris Paul is great. He's you know he can give you twenty to twenty five on a good night, thirty five. I get it, but he's so 
that's that's a, that Jonathan uh, Jarks article about the Clippers says that's what he says. He goes, they're so methodical, it's great, but once you get to the playoffs, and they take away your first option, and then your second option, and now you're just kind of eating through the clock. And if you don't put the ball in Blake Griffin's hands, let him do things because he can he can kind of break a break a defense with his uh, his athleticism. But Chris Paul likes to dominate that ball, man. And do you think going forward, kind of like with these new giant wings that play point guard, that'll be okay? Just because like you can still play with a I'm gonna name drop some terrible names, but like a Jared Bayless who can still play the one and still shoot, so bring that scoring from the one. But your assists come from a different position, like a la nah, LeBron James. That's great. That's why I think Milwaukee wants to do with Giannis and Delhi, because uh, I think Delavadova is a, a human walking pile of trash. <laughs> um, but he can do two things. He can he can stay in front of a guy, kind of on defense. He plays hard on defense, and he can hit open threes. That's all you need. And that's to all do. you want. That's all you want. Exactly. Yeah. So. He's 6'4", he's got the size in there, and, uh, and and there's a lot of potential. Like, that's why I'm so big on both Philadelphia, got to trust the process, and um, and, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, uh, just before we, uh, we finish this first half, uh, we're, we're talking about the ability to, uh, you know, for players to have, you know, t- uh, tons of skill sets and be, and be able to play multiple positions and everything like that, from the LeBron James to uh, some of the bigs we have in the league, like your Carl Anthony Towns, your Anthony Davis and such. We spoke about uh, potentially, you know, a guy like John Wall, uh, uh, you know, slightly missing the ship. Um, do you think that that was the same for LeBron's buddy Carmelo Anthony? Uh, no, nah, that's a whole different ball game. Well, well, you know what? In a way, I guess it is because the thing with with Melo is that uh, he it was a great scorer and he was a solid rebounder, you know. But almost like we say, Rondo was a great passer. And a great rebounder, and you know, not a good defender anymore. Um, Melo was a great scorer instead of a assist man and a, a great, a decent rebounder, but he didn't do, he didn't playmake. He wasn't a playmaker, and Melo was weird. And so, and so the days of guys who can, it, because if you think about it, like if you look at how the league's going, right? Like, like, like the days of having Andrew Bogut's of the world are going away. So your big stiff bigs going away. Your your pass first point guards who can't shoot are going away. You're scoring wings um, who just score nothing else are kind right. of going away. It's kind of like it's like it's not it like we started the conversation talking about point guards. We talked about how there was some influence from those kind of, you know, six, eight, six, nine wings. Uh, but it, it's kind of across the board. I mean, uh, the NBA is truly turning into this positionless game. But I think size is always going to matter. And, and, and I think, you know, we when the positionless part of it started up, uh, we saw people playing pretty small, but I think we saw in last year's finals and, you know, you may not agree, but you know, the fact that if you play really small, they can bully you a bit. And so I think the size and versatility factors are always going to be that careful balance in the NBA going forward. And, and that's just the talent level, right? Like all these kids are coming up instead of saying, I want to be, you know, if you're a big Dikembe Mutombo, or I want to be Jason Kidd, now I want to be KD. Now I want to be Kevin Garnett. Now I want to be guys who can play multiple positions, have multiple skill sets, because we've seen that this is how you make money. I mean, guys who can come in, fill multiple roles, defensively and offensively, are A, guys who get drafted high, and B, are guys who stick around. I mean, and plus, I mean, it's all bigs want to be littles, and all littles want to be bigs. So like you know every now every time you see a big man who likes to take the rebound and push up the floor, they're living out that fantasy. But now they're encouraged to, you know. And so that's that's a good thing I think, man. Versatility is awesome. I like that KG was kind of the the first of that the big man, uh, you know, seven foot versatile step out and shoot pass. He kind of he kind of laid the groundwork for that. And now we got Carlton Towns, you know. We got uh, it's you know what's weird to me though, and I, I brought this up on Twitter and I kind of got yelled at about it because. Kawhi is great. He's amazing. My question was, it's like, how come he doesn't get uh, asked to be a responsible playmaker the way that every other wing player does? You know? Um, my my quick answer for you is I look at where he's come from when he was drafted. He was drafted as a small ball power forward. He learned to um, have a bit of dribbling to his game only kind of this year, last year. He, he you know, he, he started learning how to shoot the corner three. Like he's one of these players that didn't come out of the, didn't come out of college as like, 
you know, as hyped as the overall all-star. Like, he was brought in as a guy with a lot of potential who became an amazing role player who is now falling into a star player because he's adding the requisite skills. He's kind of the epitome of the transition of what we've been talking about, right? We, we started the show saying, you know, guys who have, you know, uh, limited skill sets, uh, they know what they do well, be it point guards, be it centers, be it whatever. He started doing that and, and nailing a couple things consistently, 3 and D, and then slowly adding to his craft. So he's kind of, in a weird way, uh, you say it doesn't count, but he's almost the epitome of uh, the, uh, uh, the growth of the game. Yeah, I guess. I, and my, I, I'm not. It's not a critique of of Kawhi. It's just that you know we 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 all kind of agree he's a top five player right now. And but it's know, also a system thing, right? That whole system's predicated on on passing. So to say like one person is the dominant ball. I mean, look, it's uh, like even throughout their history, it was Ginobili, it was Parker, it was uh, you know it 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 translates like like I don't think that team is is the right place to play that kind of game like i think if you had Kawhi leonard on uh, almost saying, any other team so the problem with that is that, that this team is not that team because tim duncan's gone and a lot of their shooting's gone and they don't depend on the other guys so much so um well for now they're winning so until that happens well and, 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 and you know why game. they're winning he's uh he's averaging like four assists a game this year uh up from i think last year at 2.6 so, so he's learning it yeah so but my point is he came into the season as a top five player without it which is mm-hmm. kind of weird, and it's just it's a it's a small thing, and it's I guess we're, we're I'm speaking semantics because he is doing what what I wonder why he didn't do now, but before he even did it, I remember Kevin Durant being uh, hey he's a great scorer, he's a great player, he's you know top seven in the league whatever it was, but then they're like until he starts making guys around him better and becomes a, play, a better playmaker, it's it's going to be hard to put him up there with LeBron, and then he started doing that his MVP year, and so you know hey he's 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 arrived. And I just wonder why that quiet never had that. But you know why? And the answer is only Spurs. That's a good answer. Yep. All right. Well, that's that's the horn for the first half. We're going to have to join you on the second half with myself and James, the Away Team Podcast. Like it or hate it. We're going to be right back. Lots of sports talk. I hate it. <laughs> what you mean you ain't never heard about the Away Team? What you mean you ain't never heard about the Away Team? The away team and the away team, those guys, that's the away team. And welcome everyone back. Second half away team podcast. James Hollis, Phil Boilo, let's get it in. There's a lot of teams in the NBA doing really well this year. One team that's a few years away, maybe not the two years away from two years away, Bruno Caboclo kind of deal. But we're talking about the land of the rising suns. Phoenix, former Snash fastest show on earth or used to be with Dan Tony Phoenix Suns young team a lot of talent um, I know this is a personal favorite of yours uh, James because there's a lot of y- nice young players including uh, Marquise Chris and Bender who they got in this year's draft which as we said last ga- last show has made them our want to say top three um, uh, draftees last year or you giving them or are you giving them the number one spot? Uh, I, I think they probably had the best draft of everybody last year. Um, and we were just talking about versatile point guards. Well, then you got a guy like Eric Bledsoe. He's undersized. He's like 6'1", six, but he has a huge wingspan. And he's tough. He's tough. He's athletic, and it sucks about the injuries because I think without the injuries, I will say, hey, when he's healthy, he's better than a lot of people's favorite point guards. And he showed it. He uh, he harassed the hell out of Dame the other night. Uh, he made a huge shot. He, you know, People didn't watch because they watched the World Series. He won, he won the Phoenix game against... This, uh, against Portland because he, he just he plays so hard. Mm-hmm. I think right now he's averaging about 17, 6, and 5. He's doing a little bit of everything on the court. It's not shooting great, but when you have that kind of versatility, it, it shooting, you know, some of that shooting percentage don't really matter. He's almost like a, a, a mini Westbrook, and, and I mean, any team would want that. So Absolutely, and, uh, and, and who knows? He may get traded by year's end because there's a couple players, him, Tyson Chandler, putting up some pretty big numbers. Um, but you know, Brandon Knight, but they don't look to be part of that real future. When I, like, I think what Eric Bledsoe's 28, am I wrong in saying that? Something like that. He's, a, yeah, he's, a, like he's 27, 28. He's not, he's not a spring chicken. He, he doesn't yeah. seem to fit the timeline of what Phoenix is doing. Now I'm going to, the reason I'm going to say, I think he stays and maybe Knight goes and maybe Chandler goes this summer. He did a lot of work. He got the guys together, uh, for workouts and like, 
I thought the same thing, but he seriously embraced being the leader of this team this summer. Like he got And you do need him. some veterans. I mean, you can't just be like the 76ers who just live with a whole bunch of 22-year-olds and hope it's all going to come together. For sure. And, I mean, we, we're saying they're rebuilding, and they are, obviously, but they've they've been in every game I think they've played in so far. I think they might have, like, got blown out late in one of them or whatever, but they played they – played, Well, you uh, got to give a lot of credit uh, to their coach who they really buy into at this point, right? Y- yep. They played, uh, they played Golden State tight. They played OKC tight. They actually beat Portland. So they're not pushovers. They, they can really play. But what we as to what we were talking about, it's all about versatility. Marquise Chris can step out and shoot. He's 6'10", athletic. Uh, Bender, same, step out and shoot. He's, you know, 6'11", slim kid, but he can shoot it, and he's a big man who can probably block some shots as, he, as the body develops. Devin um, Booker. Devin Booker is, he can handle the rock, but he's a great shooter. So he's that kind of versatile, uh, you know, attacking kind of wing guy. He doesn't have a lot of size. TJ Warren is, uh, you know, he's, he's long, he's athletic. He reminds me a lot of DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he might not have the jumper, the mid-range jumper yet, but he can just score. He scores in his blood. So young, he's 23 years old. He's 6'8". He's got about 220 on him, so he's a good-sized wing. And that whole team is going places. I mean, like, who are you most excited about going forward? Because this is a team, that, yeah, there's some fun guys now, but th- this team in about two years is going to start un- unlocking some gems. Like, like. We talk about Booker a lot, uh, so maybe we'll push him to the side. If we're talking about, because my three favorite three guys outside of that is 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 Bender, Chris, and Warren. If you had to break it down, like like who are you most excited to see out of those guys? Oh, that's easy. That's Marquise Chris. I wanted I wanted Boston to go early and either trade down and pick him like I don't know, you know, six or seven and get some assets, or I didn't care. I I, I said you know what I wanted to see the chaos, swing for the fences. Go for Marquise Chris at the third pick and, and let roll the dice. Um, that's that was me. I think he, he's almost a prototypical NBA future big man. He's uh, he got a little nasty streak to him, a little mean streak kind of. He plays hard. That was his big thing. The question about him was his motor coming out, but he's showing he has a pretty good motor. I mean, and you know he's he's barely playing. He's playing 16 minutes a game. He's averaging like seven, seven, uh, almost seven. Th- Seven four and well, doesn't matter about the assists. He's not getting you any assists. But um, yeah, he's having seven uh, and four in like sixteen minutes, man. Uh, guy, for guys who haven't watched him though, like like like, is there an NBA comp like? Because like when he was in when he was coming out and they were they were, they were like, oh, he's a young Chris Bosh and all this stuff. Like I think he's more athletic and bouncy than Chris Bosh was. Um, he's not as you know Chris Bosh came out pretty a, little, he, a lot more polished. Than he, he had like a thirty-eight inch vertical. I think I remember that being recorded. Like it was something really close to that at some guy. If who I want to say uh, comparison, I'll say he's like Tyrus Thomas if Tyrus Thomas had his head on straight. I don't know if Tyrus Thomas had that jump shot right off the bat. Uh, right, he wasn't the shooter Tyrus Thomas was. But he, and my point is that like he's um. You know, bouncy, athletic, and I think he's a little probably a little bigger than Tyrus. I think Tyrus like six eight. But yeah. No, no, and you know what? Tyrus actually did have a little pull up. I remember Tyrus was just so talented, and so fast. He just didn't never got his head on straight. So that he kind of reminds me of maybe a new school Tyrus Thomas. I, I can't really think of another one because he's so he's he's bouncy, man. I, I really like Marquise. All right, so Marquise, Chris, Bender. In my eyes, I don't think they end up keeping both. Um, I think one ends up in a trade. Like like when I watched him play, I just really don't see Chris the three. I don't know. That's just me. Like I see him as a four. Maybe down the road, Bender puts on a little bit more weight. Maybe you can play him as a five, and because you got the shot blocking from Chris. Um, now this guy gets a lot of hate. And he gets a lot of love in my books. Uh, Alex Len. You think he has any point in that team going forward? Is there um... any part of you who believes in him? Because he passes the eye test for me. He just does the dummy moves. I just like I see the raw skill in him. I just like I'm just waiting for it to for him to have that consistency. See, like Len, uh Yunus, Vucevic, they're all great centers, but they're kind of that throw not even fully throwback cuz Len can no, Len can't step out really shoot. And that's the thing. Like his shooting percentages are bad cuz he likes to shoot jump shots. Um he's not that the main thing with me is for that versatility is is stepping on the perimeter and playing defense. And and Len can't do that. No. Right. If you can't guard the pick and roll, uh, they can guys can scheme you off the floor, and I mean he can't guard the pick and roll. Okay, um, so maybe long term he's like your third big. He's the he's the big off the bench. You can play that Bogut role when you kind of need him to have that traditional center to block shots. But 
really it's Bender and Chris manning your four or five. I think so. Yeah, that makes more sense. Now, I think now, so. now let's let, let's pull it back because one guy we kind of grazed over there was T.J. Warren, who's having a good year. Uh, for guy, uh, for, for those who don't watch the Suns, which is probably you know a fair bit of average fans out there, if you had to kind of describe, so uh, you basically said Demar Derozan without a jump shot, but if you had to say where is he now compared to last year and what happened? Oh, like, he, was, he, like, he was hurt last year, man. He, he missed a lot of games with the injury. And you always saw this talent the whole way. Like, 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 is this surprising you what he's bringing to the floor? Because of I, I think only diehard Suns fans wouldn't be surprised. Maybe guys who really were into him. Because last year I think he averaged like eleven points a game. You know, in in limited minutes, and that's good. He's a nice little scoring touch, right? You would think he's like a bench scorer or a guy to come in and you know Mike would score off the bench. This year he's averaging like I think he's at twenty two points a game right now. Yeah. And he's you know, he's getting to the hole with these. It's some guys are just natural born scorers. And it looks like him. He he has a nice array of floaters and flip shots and uh you know finishing at the rim. It's sometimes not finishing at the rim. It's just finishing because you you get into the middle lane and you get you got some airspace. How do you put that ball in the hole? And he he'll find a way to put. Are it you in worried the hole. that he can't shoot? Uh sure. I mean everybody wants shooting, right? Uh, but he's surrounded by Chris and Booker, right? So at least does, it, you, you it helps you a bit shot. that way. No, nah, you gotta have a jumper, and like it, it's—that's the thing, right? To go from being a, a a good player, a nice player, a nice piece, role player kind of guy, and to being a great player, you gotta have you gotta have the full array, and it'll come. I, I mean, I'm thinking it will. You know, I, 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 nothing, nothing. I have nothing to tell me that it will. But I mean, he's a young player, and scores like to score, and you know they figure out ways to do it. So, uh, yeah, I was watching the other night against OKC, and the guys just, uh, you know. It's hard. To, it's hard to really describe it. You know, you guys, you know a score when you see him. Yeah. He, he's not just jacking up shots. It's like he, he, everything he does was a, was with a purpose, and and he's, it's he was authoritative. It was really nice to see from a young guy. Nice. I'm really high on that guy. Well, speaking of other guys, because uh, I know you wanted to talk about this, and I think it's really important when we look at guys who, obviously, uh, you can't put guys who are like first, second year players into this conversation because. Uh, those guys are going to improve naturally. We're looking at other guys who, you know, are a little bit more seasoned. Maybe like year three or four, like we're talking about, maybe even a little bit later. Who are some guys this year who have been putting up some pretty decent numbers who you think are either going to fall off the cliff or, or you think this is something they can keep up with? Well, so, I mean, let's talk about some guys who might sink or swim. I'm, I'm a, I'll play the game show host now, and you can tell me what you think if these guys are going to sink or swim. Yeah, buddy. Um, because it's just it's a very small sample size. We're like four or five games in the season, so yeah. Um, but guys like right now, Tobias Harris, he's averaging twenty, almost twenty-one points a game. Um, he's you know he's 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 shooting fifty-eight percent from the floor. I think swim. He's shooting fifty-three percent from three right. Now. I think swim, and and I'm gonna say it for a couple of reasons. I think once Reggie Jackson comes back, he's gonna steal some points. But the amount of attention that Drummond steals, um, I. I I just think they have enough scores that his natural talent's coming out. I think they stole him from Atlanta. I think he's a really high-talented guy, and I think Van Orlando. Gundy, uh, uh, Orlando, my bad. Um, I think Van Gundy, um, ironically, who has coached in Atlanta, uh, Orlando, um, I think they got a steal there. I think he's a high-talented guy. Uh, they have Morris. They have um, Caldwell Pope, who, who's up for another extension, uh, who, by the way, so, I like. like he's going to get – Oladipo money and be way more worth it. So let me let me ask you this though, because right now Tobias is averaging twenty point eight, shooting fifty eight percent from the floor, fifty two percent from three. Marcus Morris is averaging eighteen, shooting forty five percent from the floor, um, and like thirty five percent from three. Who is more likely to maintain somewhere around that kind of? I, they both can't. They're not both going. They're going to no, keep giving no. you both twenty points a game. And especially when Jackson comes back, and he's going to need yeah. his shots, right? I. I think Morris falls off a because I think they just have more invested in Harris. I think he he's younger um, and there's more overall talent. Like I like Morris, but I think when you look at both their ceilings, I don't think it's a really tough argument that Harris is Harris is, is higher. Um, and long term, I think he's just going to be overall better. Like I think you could have Morris as a guy off the bench. I I think the game plan is to have kind of a Harris at the four with Stanley Johnson at the three, Caldwell Pope at the two, and that's how and that's how they want to run it. Like, I think at the end of the day, Stanley Johnson's going to force his way onto the team, and they're just going to look at straight up talent, and, and they're going to look at who is going to 
depreciate the least being thrown into a six-man role or, or, or shooter off the bench. I mean, they like uh, there's other guys who are going to take shots too. There's El- Henry Ellerson, who they brought in, Lure. You know, like yeah, like but that's that's not even I, like we were talking about. Like you were talking about Winslow just now. Um, I know Winslow. Uh, Stanley Johnson. He's he's been playing terribly so far. He I think he had he's had one point in his last three games. So um, yeah, Detroit's going to do some things. I think I, I'm not too worried about him. I just Okay, so my quick answer is uh, Harris. I think he's going to maintain on a certain level, uh, but I think Morris goes down a bit. I think they're both going to kind of come back down to earth, because especially Harris. I think uh, two years ago he shot like 36% from three, and that was like a career high. He's shooting 53% wow. right now. Well, the thing so is, that's going to come down. I, I mean, I mean, 53 is a little unreasonable, but could he shoot, you know, in the 40s, which would still no. be an amazing. We'll I'm see. gonna say no. I yeah, think because you, I don't think you just become a 40% three-point shooter over overnight. Uh, I, early, it's too, the sample size is too small. I mean, look, Jimmy Butler shooting 50%, 50% from three right now. So um, I, I like Tobias a lot. Uh, I like to see. The, I like the fact that him and Mark, Marcus Morris both gave you know Melo the business the other night yep. against the Knicks. But uh, let's see. oh, Avery Johnson. I mean Avery Johnson. Hey Bradley. Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley from the Celtics is averaging 19 points a game right now. He's shooting 39% from three, about 51% from the floor. Sink or swim? I think this is an easy sink. I think uh, Marcus Smart starts getting his shots, and I think they're. I, I think this is the point where they're uh, they're kind of uh, uh, going to decide what they're doing with him. If they really want to invest money into him, they have to give him shots. See what he guys. Uh, they have Bradley on the contract. They know he, what he brings on the defensive end. They don't need him to bring all that. Al, uh, sorry, Al Horford's going to bring more points. Jalen Brown's going to want a, a more dominant role. Once Crowder comes back, he's going to get his shots. I, I just think the success of that team is predicated on being able to have balanced scoring. And Oh, boy. Phil the windowsill. Wrong again. Phil, the thing they've been lacking is shooting and scoring. Uh, and even with Horford. Horford's a, Horford's a glue guy. He's not a score. He's not going to score big points. Smart to glue guy. He's not score big points. They got somebody now who, I'm, and I was incorrect. I was looking at actually IT, IT2's numbers. This guy's shooting about 50% from the floor and then 52% from three. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm going to say he's going to swim more than sink. He's not going to average 19 for the season, but 17 is probably a good look because he's the he's the go-to scorer on, right now as far as the guards go. I've talked to Isaiah. Isaiah has his, could call his own number anytime. But his shooting is vital, um, and he's he's great for mid range. He's great from long range. They needed that, and he said he came back this year. But you know, he worked really hard on his all around game. He's rebounding a lot better. Um, I, I think he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna swim more than he's gonna sink. Well, well I'm gonna say it for two reasons. A, um, I think the other guys are gonna jump up and take that three point shooting away from a bit. And B, I think if they ever do try to culminate some assets into something else, I think he becomes the centerpiece of that, and he's playing himself into it. That's cool, dude. You could be wrong too. Um, no problem. Um, <laughs> uh, the other than the spectrum, we got a guy like Jeff Teague. Teague is struggling right now. He has a PER, player efficiency, uh, player efficiency of five. League average is fifteen. Uh, right now, he's averaging. Ugh, God, Teague's having a rough time. Well, he's averaging. He's he's shooting twenty two percent from the floor. He is averaging eight points, seven assists a game. So the seven assists and the, you know three turnovers not great, but it's not terrible. But he's oh. yeah he's shooting twenty percent from the floor. Last he was an all star just two years ago, and he averaged like fifteen a game last year. Yeah, but he was an all star because that whole system. Look, he again is a bit of a system guy. Um, in Atlanta, they had a lot of uh, you know the ball was whipping around. Like like I think he's a good point guard, but I I still stand behind my conviction. That I think the George Hill trade was terrible. Um, I would have definitely kept George Hill, especially with Montellis. I think if you move Montellis for a bigger guard that doesn't need the ball as much, um, I just don't think they help each other out at all. Yeah, and it's a weird move, man. And I, I've you ever heard somebody who just like uh, I guess the saying is just you know you're, you're making a change just to make one, and I feel and I feel that's what it feels like. I, I don't know if Bird felt the team was stagnating. Well, they're trying to go faster than they hire a, a coach who wants to go slower in McMillan. They hire a slow ox in the middle in Al Jefferson. I Like, I just feel they're confusing themselves. Like, like, like I get what you're saying before about Jefferson, you know, bringing the points off the bench, able to drop 14, um, you know, teach some footwork to Turner. But, uh, but I think with Teague, uh, to bring it back to your original question, 
I think he he, re, he regresses up back to the mean. Like I think once we see some consistent shooting from Turner, once people have to really focus on him, and from Ellis, once they figure out that dynamic, um, people are going to have to slack off him. Look, we know the guy can shoot. I think his assist numbers go up. It's just right now because they haven't really established that number two guy, Thad Young, still feeling his way in. Miles Turner still feeling his way well, in. You know why? The problem is that there is no number two guy there, and that's that's going to be. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. And someone has to step up. Like like I think uh, they're secretly hoping that Turner just really maintains those numbers, uh, right? Like like uh, we could have counted him in this conversation, but again, being a second year player, he doesn't count. Um, but. You know, like, I think they're just hoping that that second score emerges. I mean, uh, Thaddeus Young, potentially, I mean, you really want him being maybe your third or fourth. But Yeah, definitely. I just think uh, Ellis is the weird man at that point. Like, I think we'd be looking at a really different team. If instead of Ellis, we were looking at someone like a Courtney Lee, I, I think we'd be looking at a really different team. Like, someone who could just sit I'd out. i say they move Ellis or put him on the bench and start C.J. Miles. I'm season. all for that, having the 6-6 six, six there. And then you can bring, like, off the bench, uh, like you were saying, Al Horford, uh, sorry, Al Jefferson bring that uh, bring that scoring. Well, you can also bring Ellis, so that backcourt, frontcourt, just bring some defense around them. Uh, Lavoy Allen for outside shooting to balance it out. And I think that whole team goes there. Look, there's so many new moving pieces that, on top of a small sample size, we're looking at a new coach, new power forward. Yeah, new... yeah. My point is, hey, hey, I'm the game show host. Don't try, don't try to bogart my 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 set here, buddy. I I, I started so, this by so, saying so, he's so going to work Teague, rest off sink or swim. Uh, swim. Man, you must have had too much syrup tonight or something, brother. That maple syrup got you rolling. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's go over to Minnesota because this is your favorite, Zach Levine. He's averaging almost 24 points a game right now. He's shooting 52% from the floor. 50% from three on seven attempts a night. Yeah. So I'll go first on this one. That's going to sink. Uh, like Zach Levine is a microwave scorer off the bench or even a starter. To either one at the two guard. Not a point guard, obviously, but no way he maintains this kind of level of play. Carl Anthony Towns going to be more aggressive. Last year, Carl was at, what, 18 and 10? Yep. This year, he's not even scoring 16 points a game right now. Starting off a little bit slow uh, as far as just, you know, whatever. It's just beginning of the season. Carl's going to take over. Uh, I think Wiggins is going to – he's at 23 a game too. Him and Zach are identical. They're both averaging 23.7 points a game. I think Wiggins is going to keep his usage up and, you know, probably end up about 22 points a game. I think Zach's going to drop down to maybe, I don't know, 18 – you know, 18 points. He's a good scorer. He's a great scorer. Uh, I, I just don't think he's going to keep up, stay that high as far as you know, 24 points a game. I'll half agree with you. I think uh, the points are going to go down for the very reasons that you mentioned with Carl Anthony Towns. I think he goes down. I think he can get up to that 19-20. I think this is one of those teams that... Um, what was the last team that had three guys scoring 20? I was... I mean, it, I'm thinking the Kings with Boogie, Gay, and Thomas when Isaiah was there. Yeah. Uh, Nah, there he was. Uh, Thomas was like a sixteen-point game. No, 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 no. That definitely happened. Uh, first no. off, he might have had a little. He had a streak where he averaged twenty. He didn't oh. average twenty points a game. How much you want? I'll bet you right now fifty thousand loonies that he didn't average twenty as a king. And how many American dollars? What well, that's like? Uh, that's like fifty cents or something. something that's like. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't bet money. I'm not a gambler, but I'm gonna po- I'm, I'm gonna find this for you because I believe I'm 100 percent right. Anyways, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're talking back to Levine. I think he goes up to the 19-20. I think his – look, no one's going to shoot 50 from three. Uh, uh, but we saw it the last couple months of last year, both all three of Wiggins himself and Towns all were shooting really nice percentages. They help each other out. I think Towns, because he's the guy on that team, um, gets more shots. But look, uh, they've been talking about giving Levine a max extension. Uh, if you heard that one floating around – and if you're talking about doing that, you're not going to take too many shots away. I think when guys can shoot such a high percentage, I think your defense is going to improve on, on all your players because of Tibbs. I think when you're, look, is he sinking to go back to 20 at high percentages? If you're saying that, then I'm saying sink. But uh, but I still think that uh, uh, that creates near all-star numbers. So, yeah, And I owe you 50 million loonies because IT, uh, IT2 and his... In 13, 14 in Sacramento, average 20.3. So, <laughs> my bad. I'll, I'll, hey, my check's in the mail. <laughs> I'll be sure to cash it. No worries. <laughs> you won't see it because I'm oh. sending you crap. Um, <laughs> Was there anyone, uh, anyone so left on your go, list? 
Yeah, a couple guys. Uh, one more guy. Then. Let's go with my man, Sean Kilpatrick. Who's that, you say? Exactly. You're right. I didn't know who he was either until I watched the Nets play. He's their starting uh, their, No, he's off the bench, actually. He's, he's their bench shooting guard. Jesus. And he's averaging almost 17 points a game. Kilpatrick is shooting 45% from three and about 48% from uh, you know, overall. And he's actually closed out a couple games by just going like you know, supernova. Um, I've never heard of this guy before, but apparently he's a really good player. But he's averaging almost 17 off the bench. Is he going to sink or swim? Well, he belongs to the Brooklyn Nets, so the answer is sink. I don't even have to know much about him. I think there are other. I, I think this is a team that's going to have a new hero every night, and they're all going to be a bunch of zeros because they're playing for Boston's draft picks. And uh, as much as it hurts me to say, is not a Boston guy. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a hard sink. I, I think ENZ are averaging under ten. Hmm. Wow. Um, I'm going to say it's. It's. I'm going to say he's going to swim. Because they have nothing to lose or nothing to play for. He's going to be playing free all season. But they still have um, other guys who are going to want to shoot. And, you're, and, it and it's matter. not he's likely off the to bench get... And he, he's playing 25 minutes a game off the bench. The team stinks, dude. I mean, he's I'm agreeing with you. That's the whole premise reasons. of what no, I'm saying. That's the thing. It doesn't matter. They're just going to have other guys score. They're, they're just going to be trying out a million things. When you suck that bad, look, if you have any other kind of guys, you're going to play them. They don't. That's my whole point. Joe Harris is getting his 22 minutes a game. They're all getting their minutes. It doesn't matter. So, And the guy can flat out shoot. When you shoot the way he can shoot, you're going to shoot all season. He's going to get his minutes. He's going to get his touches. He's going to be playing against a lot of backups because they're going to be getting blown out a lot. Um, I think right now this nice little stretch they're having is really cool. Uh, they, they play hard, and who knows? They made the, they're going to be better than we thought, I think. I thought they might be the worst or second-worst team in the league. That, that still might go to the Kings in Philly. But um, my point is, yeah, he's, he's, he's the guy can shoot. He's going to play. All right, well, for any of those who are actually keeping up with the Brooklyn Nets, uh, you, uh, you can hold us on to this later on at the end of the season, and and maybe uh, 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 Mr. Hollis can uh, win some of his loonies back. But it uh, looks like we are just about up out of time uh, for this week. Another episode in the books. James, I want to thank you as always. Um, even though you don't make it easy, you make it awesome. You can always catch him at, on Twitter at Snotty Drippin'. Am I giving it right? Yeah, you can catch this guy on Twitter at Sporting Phil, right? Yeah. That right, that right, that right, like Pillhead, Sporting Phil. Um, Phil the Pill, yeah, oh, with all the answers everyone likes to swallow. What the hell is oh, that? Bam! Hey, you're you're the one who starts with Phil the Pill. That's like one of the worst names you could have come up with. It's like just like. And it goes to one of the worst people I know. So there it's even. There you go. Ouch, I'm a terrible human being. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. This has been the Away Team on PressBasketball.com.